know what your problem is. You have no game. <laughs> what you know about game? You're listening to the Free Game Friday podcast. I got all the game. Connecting you with top professionals, entrepreneurs, and influencers. Now tune into the biggest ever. So tap in and follow the recipe to success. Listen close, you hear what I'm about. And now your host, real estate investor and entrepreneur. Bring them out, bring them out. CJ Withers. Welcome, everybody, to Free Game Friday. I'm your host, CJ Withers, and I'm joined today by Randy Mollard. Now, Randy, tell the people a bit about yourself, where you're from, you know, the basics. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Absolutely ecstatic to be here and just uh, dump some value for your audience. My name is Randy Molland, is how it's pronounced. And I'm from British Columbia, Canada, a, a good old Canadian boy in the house. So I'll yeah. probably say a lot of sorries and apologize <laughs> a bunch on this episode. But basically, uh, I got into entrepreneurship or real estate investing uh, when I was 25 years old. I was an electrician by trade, bought my first property, my mentor and and uh, guy that helped me build uh, the electrical company that we were going to buy. We were basically the top guys and we were going to buy it. Um, he got hit by a telephone pole oh, wow. and didn't survive. And so at 25, I was at the peak of my career, peak of buying my house, had this idea that in 25 years, I'd own my home at 50 and be free. And my mentor got, that passed away was 42. And I had this insane realization of like, wow, I, I'm trying to get to financial freedom at 50. But if I don't even make it to 50, what's the point? I'm just going to be an electrician for the next 25 years and then all of a sudden it could be gone tomorrow. And so I uh, made a pivot in my life and Googled how to make as much money as I can and never work again. Isn't that what everybody wants? Right. Money and not have to work. So I did that and I found real estate investing. And so um, after my friend passed away within a few months, I started just diving deep into real estate investing. Uh, eventually uh, took a bunch of training programs, learned how to do it, and then went on to go create a real estate investment company and had quite a bit of success and a lot of fun with it. And uh, we'll dive deeper into the story as we go, but uh, it just wasn't fulfilled 100% along the way. Found out that I could mix philanthropy, giving back with real estate investing and created a uh, really incredible investment company that's all about giving back. And uh, we've done everything from single family homes to multifamily to development to raising capital. I've built a mastermind for real estate investors across Canada. We're one of the top masterminds in Canada. And uh, I've run a mastermind for giving back down in the States. I've touched so many different points of entrepreneurship now and uh, just having a lot of fun with it. Nice. So that, that's a lot to unpack. First of all, man, I'm sorry for your loss. You know, that, that had to have been pretty rough. You know, you mentioned that you, you kind of had like a mindset shift, right? Talk about that mindset shift. Like, was it hard for you transitioning from, you know, working and having that safety net and then just going straight into entrepreneurship? Or was there like any time in between? How, how'd it go? Yeah, I'm very fortunate. So my dad growing up uh, had a lot of entrepreneurial traits, went to go start his own company, but had kids pretty young. Unfortunately, my younger brother passed away from sudden infant oh, death. Uh, when he was six months old. And my dad was just grinding so hard that he didn't spend much time with him. So I was very lucky that my dad stopped his entrepreneurial journey, got a Monday to Friday, nine to five, but said, I'm going to be the most present dad ever. So he was very involved in my life, gave me a lot of the skills to start my career early on. But a lot of the encouragement he gave me when Rob passed away was, Randy, you're so young. You just bought your house. You know, I was ahead of a lot of my friends at 25 to be able to buy real estate. And he said, the worst case is you go try something you don't like it and you come back to making 
30 something bucks an hour as an electrician, you still own your home and you have a lot of fun along the way. Like use now before you have kids, the time to go take a lot of risk because you have time on your side. And so it was scary in the sense of, oh my God, I'm losing this. Like I just hit the peak of my career and I was ready to continue to trajectory on. And I stopped to go start something completely new with no security, but was supported by my family to say, hey, you know what? What's your worst case scenario? You go back to where you were at the peak of your career. Man, I was very lucky to just get ahead of the curve at 25 and have be basically at the peak of my career and the peak and buy some real estate to start there. So it made it a lot easier for me to make those decisions to go into entrepreneurship. It's pretty cool that you had that support system because a lot of us don't. And, you know, we're having to deal with naysayers and friends and family that aren't completely supportive of what we're doing. So, you know, we might say, hey, I want to change direction. And, you know, you got a bunch of people saying, oh, that's risky. Don't do it. That's, that's pretty dope that you had that inside there, I mean, I had to create a whole new friend group, right? A lot of my friends weren't exactly what you said. They're trying to get me to go out on Friday nights. Like when I say I completely changed, man, I was the kind of guy that was living for the weekend, a trades guy. I'd live for the weekend. I came back once my friend passed away within like 48 hours. I was with a counselor, which I, you know, had a lot of experience with from my passing my brother and knew like, I knew the path I needed to go down was to get focused and focus in another place. Cause I was, I'm liable to go down the path of ruining my life because I lost my best friend and I had to make that choice that I didn't want to do that. So I found this thing called the savers and it's by a guy named Hal Elrod and it was silence, affirmation, visualization, exercise, reading, and scribing. You do 10 minutes of each every single morning for 60 minutes. And so I started waking up at 4 a.m. and then studying real estate from five to six, working from seven to three, and then coming back and studying real estate all night long. I basically changed my entire friend group, my entire circle of influence, and my entire mindset, you know, from not drinking anymore to exercising more, getting the most physically fit. I used to laugh at people that meditated and did yoga, and I became that guy that was so immersed in abundance and affirmations and things like that, that it was a complete 180. Absolutely, man. That's big. And that, that mindset shift, I think that's necessary when it comes to, you know, cultivating success, right? So me, myself, I was in the military. And I had to change my mindset. I had the safety net of the military, kind of got out abruptly, didn't really have a plan, kind of went through some of the similar things that you went through, locking in and studying real estate, and then just kind of going out there and going for it. And that's, that's pretty big, man. I'm very lucky, man. So one of the things I did, one of the things, this is a cool concept that I'll share with your communities. So I was 25 years old. I had no money. I put all my money down on my first home. Um, I've, I was very lucky that I had some credit cards and was taught how to use credit cards growing up through a ex-girlfriend's mom. She was like, hey, get a credit card early, build your credit, increase your lines of credit as fast as you can, but never use them and pay everything to zero. So I had some lines of credit and some credit cards. Well, when I went into real estate investing, there was a, one of those guru programs where you go for free, then you sign up for the three-day course for a thousand bucks. And then they're like, hey, you got to sign up for this huge package. It was $15,000. Yeah. And I looked at it as if I could flip or turn over one property and make $15,000, it paid for the course and then I could do that for the rest of my life. And so I invested in that program instantly without even thinking twice about it. Everybody told me it was a bad investment that was in my circle. That allowed me to go take the next step, get the, the knowledge I needed, get put in circles where people were willing to invest in us. You know, who's going to invest in a 25 or 26 year old with no experience in real estate? Right. That's what I had to overcome. And then once we, I invested in that program, I found out about another mastermind that I was a part of. It was down in California and it was $25,000 to be a part of. And I invested in that one as well. So I spent $40,000 within 
basically 24 months of each other after spending all my money on a home going broke. But what it did was put me in the rooms of people like I was the least income earner. I didn't even belong in the mastermind. I was hanging out with people. I was, you know, I was scraping by making, you know, happy to make $50,000 a year in just doing our, my first entrepreneurial journey. Right. Whereas, whereas all these people are doing seven figure businesses. So I built a seven figure mentality while I was trying to build my businesses. So all I've ever known and learned is hanging out with entrepreneurs that are very successful, have built very strong companies, and I knew the ups and downs were real. I The circle of influence that I had was very impactful on where I am today because if you start this journey by yourself and you think it's just gonna be straight up or a lot of fun, you don't know, you don't see the depression, the challenges, the losses, the failures that actually build you to come back stronger and do more and overcome them. So that was a lot of what my circle of influence changed and what it looks like now. It's just a lot of uh, entrepreneurs that aren't afraid to face some adversity, take some challenges, take some risks and have a lot of fun in this world. Nice, nice. You mentioned mentorship and paying for masterminds and that kind of thing, right? I was lucky enough to come across a mentor when I got out the military. I reached out to everybody in Seattle. I had been overseas in Japan and decided, you know, hey, I'm going to settle back in Seattle. I reached out to everybody on LinkedIn who had real estate investor in their profile. Honestly, I think that's one of the best things I could have done because this real estate thing or anything, you can't do it without mentorship. I mean, I, I wouldn't advise it at least. Did you try it on your own and then come across a mentor or what were some of the bumps and bruises? before you found mentorship? I was so lucky to have mentors my entire life. So the principles when it came to real estate was, why would I try and learn all this by myself and fail when my entire life, I've always just had somebody put their arm around me and say, hey Randy, this right. is how you do it. And so uh, I didn't even also share, I made another $10,000 investment into a mentor that was one-on-one -on -one coaching for a year. Nice. Where he came in and helped me. You don't need to pay for it. I just was, I just, I pay for speed, right? I right. pay because I wanted to learn fast and I wanted to, I wasn't in a position where I had, you know, a few years to kind of get it and learn it and go for coffees and stuff. I wanted it now because I was all in. I just lost my best friend and it was like, I have a small window before I have kids and get married and stuff. Let's just hammer this out and get it done. And so I paid for speed and mentorship. I would never uh, go down this journey where I've gone to without mentorship because it's just helped me so much. Now, if you just want to buy one or two properties, become a, a you know small landlord and start building a portfolio over 20 years, you don't need a mentor for that. You can reach out and talk to people on LinkedIn and, and start finding some people. But if you actually want to turn a business out of it, that's where you actually really need a paid mentor or someone that's very advisable. But if you're looking at just doing some stuff, what you did, dude, is the most commendable thing anybody can do in anything they want to do. If you if you want to learn how to be a, a podcast host, just go find 50 podcast hosts and ask them how they're doing it. If you want to learn how to become trade stocks, just go find 50 people that are trading stocks that are successful right? Absolutely. And that have been in the game 20 years that are willing to take you on. And as I know you said, a lot of your audience is millennials and young hustlers. This is why I've had so much success. People want to work with people like younger guys or, or girls that they can mentor because they want to see you win. So a lot of the people that have mentored me, it's less about the money I've made in them. And the fact that they just want to see me win because I'm willing to show up I'll do the work twice as hard as anybody else. I'll grind smarter, harder, and faster than anybody. And they can just see that attitude in me. If you show up and someone says, hey, go reach out to five podcast guests to go get on five podcasts, and you don't do that, you lose that person instantly because you have no credibility. 
If you right. message them three days later and you said, hey, I reached out to five people, what's the next step? They're gonna give you the next step. That's how it works. So that is why mentorship is so powerful. And you mentioned also like, you know, kind of being a self-starter, because I mean, you can have a mentor, but you have to actually do the work. That's super big. Going back to millennials, right? Speaking to millennials, what is it that you think stops millennials from getting into real estate? The biggest thing that I, I knew nothing about real estate investing, I bought my first property because all I knew is that I want to retire at 50. And if I knew I bought a house before I was 25, I could pay it off by the time I was 50 and I'd be able to retire. That was all right. I knew. And right. so I just bought a condo and knew nothing. But this is the fun part is that once I got into it, four months after I bought it, I moved out of it and right. I rented it out. I went to this workshop. I talked to somebody and they said, you're so young. You own this property. What could it rent for? It can rent for 2,500 bucks a month. What are your expenses? 2,000. So you make right. $500 a month, but yep. you still pay down your mortgage and you still get the appreciation. It's no different than what you wanted. You still can in 25 years own that home and be free. But what I did is I went and you got to imagine this at 25, balling, single, yep. I've got a yep. three bedroom townhouse, brand new and all new furniture. I left that place to go move into one of my friend's bedrooms. Not mm -hmm. even a suite, just a bedroom. Man. But it cost me $500. Right. Figure that out, net zero. I took the $500 from my rental, paid my rent. So now when I became an entrepreneur, I didn't have to worry about paying rent at all because I had no bill for it because my house was being paid for. Yep. I was using the cash flow to pay my rent where I was living and I could just do whatever I wanted. I was so easily movable and stuff. So why don't people get into the industry? One, um, money is the biggest concern. It's very hard. I can beat that with anybody because what you can do is called house hacking. You can go yep. find investors. You can do whatever you want to. You just have to learn and get educated on it to make those moves. I was 25 with no experience in real estate investing and no credibility to my name. And I went and raised a few million dollars in my first year to go buy rental properties that one of them I lived in. I raised money bought a property. I still paid rent in it as a renter. I just bought it so that I could live in it. I paid rent with an investor and it worked out great. So you just got to find the right people and have the right pitch to make it work to get into the real estate market. Let's break down house hacking for the people who don't know what it is, right? Uh, yeah. So basically house hacking is, is being able to live in one portion of your house and rent out the others that it pays for the rest of your property. So if you can go as simple as, hey, you live in one bedroom and you have two other bedrooms, rent out the two bedrooms that pay for your rent for you to live there. If you have a duplex, live on one side, rent out the other side, and it pays for the majority of your expenses. Or you can do what I did, where I just went and found a house with a suite, found an investor to qualify for the mortgage and put the down payment down. We bought the property, I rented out the upstairs, and I rented the downstairs, so I still paid rent as a renter, but I owned the home now. And now any improvement I made or anything I did, I got the value add to it. So I house hacked, but I also had somebody else pay for it so that I had zero money out of my own pocket and was living in this house, renting the upstairs, covered all of our bills. Whatever I paid in rent was basically the, the cash flow to the property that I right. got 50% of. And so I just kept paying my rent and doing what I had to do, maintain that property like it was my own. And uh, at the end of the day, we, we had some good appreciation on the property because the timing of the market and our investors walked away with a really incredible return. He was very happy with the process and I put zero of my own money in. Absolutely, man, that's that's powerful. And, and that's the power of real estate, right? There's so many benefits to real estate. So you have appreciation, you have cash flow, which you mentioned in, in, your, you know, in your story, right? So you were able to benefit from all of those all at once, sounds like. Man, I love that. Dude, I 20 
seven, I sold that house, my first house that I bought when I was 25. Two and a half years later, I sold it. Got very lucky with the market, right. but I walked away with $200,000 cash in my pocket. Nice. And, and at 27, there's no way I'm making $200,000 to be able to do that. So I took half of that money, went and bought another house and took right. the other half. And that's what I used to pay off all my debt for my entrepreneurial world and was able to continue to expand and grow my business because I had no debt going forward. I went and bought another house right. with that money split. But then I took the money to remove all the debt out of my life. And now I could redo it again and again and again and again. And currently now have a, a bit of a portfolio myself uh, personally that I'm selling one of my properties that has $250,000 in equity in it. And nice. I, I can just have that kind of money. So it really, you, you start to see how you can create wealth without having to work. I just manage some properties and, and right. let the properties do themselves. And paying down the mortgage is the other part of it. So cash flow. Uh, appreciation and recapture the mortgage, what we call it. It's a uh, car is the vehicle you use cash flow appreciation, recapture the mortgage, man. I'm in the same boat right now. So I just sold my condo out here in LA, you know, got the cash and I'm just positioning myself to make my next move. Now you and I are in markets that are hot markets, super competitive. We are able to benefit from that appreciation, which is going to be higher than in other parts of the country. How do you feel about investing out of state or, you know, in, in other places, other markets? Invest where the returns are best, man. That's what it's all about. Right. So if you're in LA trying to buy a condo, it's probably going to be a nightmare now. It's so expensive. Right. If you don't have cash, it's going to be hard. Up in Canada where we live, I just got sent a, a duplex in uh, outskirts of town that's $100,000 and it makes the 1% rule. So it right. makes cash flow. You can buy any property in the world as long as it cash flows, as long as you're confident right. in the deal. So uh, I would never like, part of the problem that is, is the boom that we've just seen in real estate took a lot of people to making, like guys like you and I are making a few hundred thousand dollars by snapping our fingers. Right. Now people are coming in and they're losing money because they're buying now thinking that they're gonna snap their fingers and make a few hundred thousand dollars. That's not how you use real estate as an investment. Right. That's how you speculate and lose money. Right. Real estate as an investment by running your numbers, being yep. confident on your expenses, knowing how much cash flow you're going to make. And if it cash flows above, I'll say $500 a door, then you can kind of really start building your portfolio with it because it covers the expenses and it covers your ability to operate that property. If you're losing money on a on an investment, it's not an investment anymore. Now you're right. just speculating. So I just encourage people like getting out of province. I would move out of province. If I could go back and do it again, right. I was very lucky in the town I lived in. I went and bought like six properties in the first two years because the market was perfect for it. We hit appreciation. We had cash flow. Everything was great on them. If I, if I lived in an area where I live now, um, where it doesn't work, I would just go like, if I'm young and a millennial with no, um, no obligations, just go move somewhere where the returns are best, spend two years there like, like I did, and make a few hundred thousand dollars on the real estate, managing it, learning it, and then you yep. can go live wherever you want after, build your portfolio. Dude, I still rent. I, right. I, have, I have a business, I have multiple seven-figure businesses, I have hundreds of thousands of dollars in equity and properties, I still rent because it makes me makes me mobile. I don't have to live in my house. I can I can move, I can do different kinds of things. There's a lot of benefits to renting. Absolutely. Um, so you mentioned equity in your properties. Now, have you ever taken advantage of a HELOC, which for those who don't know is a home equity line of credit where you borrow the money, essentially the equity in your property, and then you can use that to go and invest in other properties and do pretty much whatever you want. Absolutely. So 
on one of our properties or one of my properties, I have uh, cash flow coming from it. And so I pull the HELOC out of it. My cash flow pays my, my interest payment on the HELOC. And then I took that money, invested it into a development project. So let's just say it cost me 7% to borrow the money and I invest it in a 20% opportunity, I make the Delta 13% without yep. any of my own money. It comes from the HELOC and my cash flow pays my interest. So I've done that on multiple properties and we do quite a bit of private lending that way. We've got some, some five plexes and 10 plexes in my company that have you know hundreds of thousands of dollars in equity in them and we just refinance it back out and then go lend that privately to people at 10, 12, 14%. We pay five, six, seven on it and we make the Delta. We're not making massive returns, but it's free money. It's literally right. free. I don't have any of my own money in there. It's infinite returns because right. I have no money in it. Man, that's some pretty creative strategy. So, I mean, I'm sure it took a lot of time to kind of develop that or was it something that came natural to you or? I'm very gifted when it comes to math and numbers. Right. Um, and, and so I've, I've always just understood that concept where, Hey, if I borrow something at five and I go make 12, I can just get the Delta on that of 7%. Right. That makes sense. That's free money. I've always just had that. And I've always been, you know, open to the opportunity of taking risk because it's not as risky as people may think when it's secured against real estate and the opportunities there, you know, every, every millionaire will tell you that the, that you need to be able to risk hundreds of thousands of dollars to get to millions. You need to be able to risk millions to get to billions. billions right. That's, that's where I was. I was risking, you know, tens of thousands to get to hundreds of thousands. Yeah. And, and those risks were in my mentorships and programs. Then I got to hundreds of thousands and now I'm risking hundreds of thousands to get to the millions. And that's right. kind of how you have to scale your game up. But yeah, it's, it's, that's the easiest way to describe it of, of being able to use that. You talked a little about the market and, you know, kind of speculating the market. So what I like to do, Honestly, I'll just go back and kind of give a little more of my backstory. I started out as a flipper and then I went back, began wholesaling because I kind of had a, a deal that went sideways and I realized, you know what? I can make the same money flipping a house in the market I was in wholesaling. It's easier, less risky. Why not do it, right? I just kind of built my toolbox that way and just learned different exit strategies. I think that's super important right now where the market is how it's, you know, shaky, you know, it's, we're kind of at the end of the cycle and it's starting over. I think it's important to have that toolbox and just know multiple exit strategies. As far as your exit strategy, what's your main exit strategy when it comes to real estate? Yeah, we go into every opportunity with exactly like you said. Hey, if mm. we're going to buy something to flip it, can we hold it? If we hold it, can we flip it? it can we hold long term? How long can we hold? What are the markets going to say? How long is our rents? How long can we have vacancies for? So exit strategies to me are just variable upon the market that we're in. We just hit, you know, some of the highest peaks of real estate we've ever seen. So we right. sold two or three properties cash right. out. Maybe the market goes up another 20, 30, 40%. I don't care because I made really good money on my deals. And sometimes you have to cash in your wins instead of being greedy. So, uh, and, and I'm also in development and in development, right. it's, you know, this is getting pretty crazy up there talking about the, you know, the 50 unit building that we're building, but it's right. like, if we can't sell it, can we rent it? If we can't do it, can we sell this whole thing in the development land where we retitled it all? Can we go sell that to a developer that they can go build it? Like we have five exit strategies along the way to do. The biggest thing is just thinking through everything as if it's a process, man. What happens if? And just ask yourself that question 10,000 times and have a scenario for every one of them. Absolutely. So what does your team look like? Is there anyone that specializes in one specific exit strategy and another person specializes in another? Or how does that work? My team mostly works in like, like we have one person raising capital, one person mm. doing due diligence, one person that does investor relations, things like that. So we're not specialized in like the exit strategies. We don't have 
um, like a like a VP of acquisitions and a VP of exits or anything like right. that. We're, we're a smaller team. That is how we operate and run. Is more just based on we do a lot of capital raising. So a lot of the times now, uh, partners will bring us in to raise the capital on their projects, not as a as a just a syndicate, but like we'll create the fund and we'll just partner with somebody that's the operations manager. Right. And so we'll bring that that capital in. So it's a lot of my work now is in in cap raising. A lot of my single family portfolio and stuff that I'm doing is is just uh, I'll say like side stuff that I've just had in my portfolio for a lot of years. And I just right. deal with all the exits and personal stuff on that. For those just joining, welcome to Free Game Friday podcast, where we give you tips, tricks, and the blueprints to success in entrepreneurship and in wealth building. I'm here with Randy Molland, and we're talking everything real estate. We're talking about his experiences, his ups, his downs, and, and everything he's learned along the way. Randy, welcome back. Talk to me about your uh, your organization go big to give big yeah man this is uh continuing the journey here so i built this incredible real estate company having some success and then right. all of a sudden i have one day i'm just like what for i'm in the same right. boat like i'm just grinding hard making cash and cash is great but it didn't it didn't ever excite me it never was right. the motivation in the first place and so i always just thought well what's the purpose and right. uh you know, the universe had a, a plan for me and it put a podcast in front of me. And the guy on the podcast said, if you want to make a million dollars, that's totally cool. Just build a business that does two million dollars, give a million away and don't feel guilty about having a million dollars. And I was like, right. that sounds way that's, better. That's deep. I, I don't have to I don't have to feel bad about making my million bucks anymore because if I give a million away and I'm very driven by helping people, that's always been something in my life. So, so I went down and, and started this whole journey of philanthropy and learning how to use a business to make impact in the world. So we'll call it a for purpose business. Thinks Tom's shoes where you buy a pair of shoes and they give a pair away or right. diff eyewear where you buy a pair of glasses and they give a pair of glasses away, things mm. like that. And so um, I went into that space and I had a meetup at the time for real estate investors and we started charging, it was free and we started charging $10 uh, for each person to come in. And, right. you know, we had 30 or so people and that meant we put one kid through sports. You know, we donated the money to uh, Kids Sport Victoria. So every person that came in is a $10 donation and we're putting one kid through sport every month, which was cool. But then we started nice. talking about how do we put two kids through sport? How do we put three kids through sport? Well, we need to get to 60 people, 90 people, 100 people. Well, within two months of that, we had over 100 people in our meetup donating over $1,000 a month. That excited me. I was like, this is really cool. I'm motivated and driven to do something more than just make money. And right. people were starting to recognize what we were doing. So they flocked towards us. So then I was like, how do we do this in real estate? So we started donating $10 per door per month from our real estate portfolio. So then we took our portfolio, our five plex donated 50 bucks a month, our duplex donated 20 bucks a month. And we started to build our portfolio. And we realized that the more we made and the more doors we bought, the more we could give back. And that was a driving force. And that brought a lot of people to want to jump on board with our projects because they wanted to see us do good. They wanted to see us donate more. And so we were able to raise more money and do more projects and kind of take over a little bit of market share with it. And that was the whole building of what Go Big to Give Big is, is we were sitting there and I was talking to my business partner and I was just like, man, it's crazy. The bigger we go, the more we can give. We just need to go big so we can give big. And that was the birth of Go Big to Get Big and what we're doing with it now. That's, that's got to be super rewarding when you can, you know, give back and reach back once you've reached that certain level of success that, yeah. that you're at. The biggest thing, bro, is starting it from the beginning. That's what I preach now is that so many people think they have to reach success in right. order to start giving back. 
giving is like a muscle man. You don't go to the gym and start lifting the 50 pound weights and, right. and repping it. You got to start with the five pounders and work your way up. It's the same with giving, man. How you do one thing is how you do everything. And the true statement that I love the most is money doesn't expose you. It just shows who you really were. And Absolutely. so people say as they get richer, it's like, oh, they just become a bad person. No, they always were. Um, sorry, I said that wrong. Money doesn't change you. It just exposes who you already were. And right. so I believe that if people start giving back now, even if it's $5, you build that muscle of giving so that you become uh, as you become more successful, that continues to bleed through your businesses and as you grow. Because if you just wait till you're rich, man, that's not a fair way of living life. You got to start now and, and do the work while you're building the businesses to give back. Because the law of pro reciprocity says the more you give, the more you get. There's no better right. way to start a business or build a business by giving something away to know that something's coming back for you. Absolutely, man. That's that's super powerful, man. I, I love that. So how, how do you feel you've grown uh, since, you know, since you started in real estate. Yeah, man. Uh, the journey has been very fun. So now your audience has heard like the, the challenges I faced, the business I created, the giving back component now. And now the thing is who have I become along the way? I've studied myself so much self-development, personal development. Yep. I've been in a lot of therapy, a lot of life coaching, you know, along the way, uh, the investments I've made, not just in masterminds, but in a personal coach one-on-one -on -one coaching with someone to go through some of the deepest, most vulnerable parts. That is some of the biggest challenges in the world. It's very, it's fun to build business. It takes an extraordinary human to go deep and go through some of the fears they have, their childhood traumas and recognize them and work with them. So, uh, you know, who I was when I first started versus who I am now is a very, very different person. My friends probably wouldn't recognize me if I was dating somebody, they probably wouldn't have been able to follow on the journey because it was just such a long, grueling, hard journey to learn about who I am. And I don't stop. This day now, I'm, I'm learning a lot about what visionary entrepreneur means and ADHD and dyslexia and, and Asperger's and autisms and those things right. that motivated uh, people like myself. How do we actually use those as gifts as opposed to things that have hindered us in our life? And, and how do we use them to become better versions of ourselves? And how do I show up for my fiance better and my yep. friends better and become the best version of myself? And that all comes from doing deep inner work. And I'm not joking, dude. I literally have a therapy session a week. Personally, I have a therapy session with my fiance, not because anything's bad. Right, right. We're just changing so much on a monthly basis who we are as humans. We're in some of the biggest growth phases of our lives. We want to have a channel where we can communicate. I have a personal coach. I have a business coach. Right. I have so many people in my corner right, right now because I'm in one of the biggest growth phases and changes of my life. I just turned 32 two days ago. And nice. so it's it is the biggest change I'm ever going to have other than having kids and, and getting married is right now where I'm all in. All my chips are all in on go big to get big right now. All my chips are there. So I've, I've liquidated some of my real estate, invested in this company, and I'm just going to build it out to be the next big thing. But it is very challenging and very hard. So having to know about myself, trust myself, and be able to put all my effort into it has been one of the biggest challenges, but one of the most rewarding things I've ever done. And it's important that you mention that because a lot of people I feel in today's generation are afraid to look themselves in the mirror and unpack what's really inside of them. I think there's so many of us just kind of going through the motions and, and just kind of just feeling like we, we have it all together, you know, and nobody has it all together. You know, it's, it's impossible. I'd say it's one of the most common themes right now is a lot of uh, public figure entrepreneurs 
are talking about the work they've done to get to where they right. are. It used to be all about Lambos and cars and, right. and everything. Now it's like, it's the most unsexy thing, but it's like, how do you want to get those Lambos and cars? You start dealing with your inner childhood, most traumas where you crawl in the fetal position and cry in a corner because you mm. don't want to deal with it. And it's so miserable and painful. And the, who your parents were and how they shaped you and the, yep. the money blocks and the money mindsets and how you treat significant others and right. the disrespect versus respect you need everything dude it is like the core root of everything i believe in is just learning how to be the best human possible once you're a good human you can go do anything you want in this world but if you're right. not a good human people don't want to do business with you you don't find the people you want to be with you can't go find your partners you can't manifest because it's all just fake and unreal you have to do the most grunt crappy inner work to right. learn who you are as a human. And once you learn who you are, then you can go explore the other fun things in life because you actually feel at peace with everything that you have going on. There's a saying, how you do anything is how you do everything. And I completely agree with that saying. It's like, if you take the, the time to do the work on yourself in one area, you're gonna grow exponentially in every area. So you touched on gurus, right? On the internet, I feel like the internet gives us a lot of unhealthy expectations about entrepreneurship, about real estate, about you know just what it looks like to succeed and like you said people are starting to get real but there's still some bad apples out there that are still kind of giving that like you know showing off the lambos that they don't own the houses they don't own and, and just kind of giving a bad name to real estate and entrepreneurship so speak to that how do you feel about that you're going to get exposed real quick in that space things are changing right. so fast right now we call that uh, attraction marketing is what it was called and right. it's very popular over the past 10 years i'll say ty lopez started that whole thing yep here in my garage with the Lamborghini, yep. whether it was yep. rented or not, nobody will ever right. be able to confirm or deny that. And, right. and what it did was it exposed a whole new level of marketing that if you are have status, people want to be around you or buy your products. So whether right. you rent it or not. Nowadays, people are exposing that so quickly. AI is so easy, I put a green screen behind me and I can say, look right. at my Ferrari and it's right there, right. but it's not. People want true, authentic entrepreneurs that they wanna work with. So by me coming out and saying, hey, I'm an entrepreneur. I've had to do so much deep inner work. I've struggled. Yep. I've lost a ton of money. You know, we've lost a ton of profits on a, a development project and, and it almost crippled us. And now we're back. That's what people love. People are like, oh, this guy's been through it, came back. He's had some success. He's got testimonials. The giving component's huge because I genuinely, authentically care about helping people and helping others. I think attraction marketing is just attracting uh, a different crowd right. that are not going to be great entrepreneurs and they're getting exposed pretty quickly. I think it's actually the entrepreneurs that are talking about their failures, the challenges they've gone through, the mental health struggles, the real entrepreneurship that people are actually wanting to make investments in to go do products or services with them. Um, guy named Cody Sperber, the clever investor. Yeah, yeah. He is hard on that right now. He's like, He's like, screw all this fancy stuff. I'm just talking about the, the troubles that we face as humans. And, yep. and he's getting a lot of attention coming in from it because he's not out there with his flashy Lamborghini, which he did 10 years ago to get a bunch of people and get a bunch of following. And now he's actually coming out and exposing of like, dude, entrepreneurship sucks. It's hard. One, right. day, you're, one day you're up a few million bucks, the next day you're down a few million bucks. You guys struggle with a few hundred dollars living paycheck to paycheck. Imagine an entrepreneur at any given point 
you can lose yep. everything tomorrow just by being in different investments and different things. That's the whole risking millions to get to billions. Right. That is where it comes from. So, so yeah, to, I don't know if that answered your question, but I just think that those people are slowly going to get more and more exposed. And once you get exposed, man, cancel culture is real quick right Serious. now. Yeah, you seriously. Get, you get lit up like a Christmas tree out there if, if people find out you're faking it. And I have no problem with you renting a yacht and going on there and creating right. videos and stuff. Just don't say you own it. Just right. say, hey, I, I, I leased this Lamborghini behind me to create this incredible right. video to get your attention. <laughs> and now that I've got it, this is right. what I'm going to do. And I think people can resonate more with, you know, the reality of things. You know, it's like, yeah, I could tell you real estate is great and there's no problem, but it's not realistic. Everybody has problems and it's easier to connect with people who are able to expose that, you know, and just kind of just give you the nitty and gritty about it. In life in general, we're always constantly learning and growing. What's something that you recently learned uh, that you didn't know before? I read a really cool book called Driven to Distraction. And it's mm. all about ADHD. I, I never really studied it. I always knew that I had a hard time focusing, a hard time staying present, and always thought it was just the biggest challenge in my life and never understood what it actually meant. Man, it changed my life. It exposed me to so many different opportunities that exist for people with ADHD. Uh, it exposed to different ways to live with it and how to actually operate inside of it, how to have a healthy relationship with it and with your spouse and significant other. So it's probably not the most sexy thing I've learned, but it's one of the most real ones that a lot of people struggle with when we talk about the struggling stuff. I struggled very hard with being distracted and, and waking up at four in the morning and sitting there for two hours trying to figure out why I couldn't write sales copy. It's because my right. brain doesn't allow me to do that. So I have to outsource and find ways to make it work and do different things. And that book gave me the permission to be able to say, okay, it is a disease that I have and I need to learn how to work with it instead of fight against it all day, every day. And so that is something fun that I've just been learning and, and playing with. It's dope that you can just kind of like embrace that and just, you know, live with it and, and use it as a superpower almost rather than a, a crutch or, or an excuse. 100%. So that's and, dope. And it's changed and it's changed my uh, ability to build businesses. When I talk here, it's right. not just like, whoa, it's me. I have some challenges and I go and I run around telling everyone how screwed up I am. No, it's a lot of it comes from working with employees. When my employees are like, Randy, we can't get your attention for more than 10 minutes to ask you a serious question. Right. And you come up with 100 ideas and we're still trying to execute the first one. Yes, cool. That is a problem in a company. How do we right. solve that problem? They need to catch me and I need to actually block out time. I need to make sure that I go for a run. If I don't go for a run or work out in the morning, my ADHD is 10 times worse throughout the day. If I have a team meeting for 30 minutes, I'm not going to be able to survive it. Also, cutting meeting times down to 15 minutes and doing multiples of them throughout a day versus yep. sitting there for 30, 45 minutes because I just get so bored. I'm, I'm right. my, And I might not even be uh, physically doing it. My brain's... Right thinking there in this conversation dude i've thought about 15 ways that i can go buy new real estate right just from our conversation and how i can yep. attach go big to give big to it that's just what i do and so learning how to recognize that and actually mm. tie that to business now to be like oh this is a gift i can't do operations i need to hire operations there's no way around it so instead of trying to sit here and spend 15 hours on building a website i'll just right. go pay someone to do it and just outsource hours. it and I've just learned a lot of those skills uh, through this experiment of learning about what it is. I like that. Switching gears a little. What's the best piece of advice you've ever gotten in your life? 
The best piece of advice I ever got was my dad told me when I started out in the electrical world, build your reputation, not your bank account. And he said, that will forever make you the wealthiest person on this planet. Didn't know anything at the time. And I was like, cool, nice advice, dad. 10, 12 years later, when I'm building my businesses, all I care about is my reputation. If I keep a good image, people will hire me forever. As soon as I have a bad reputation, you lose it for life. You have to move to your city. You have to go try again. You have to go start something new. So build your reputation, not your bank account, and you'll be the richest person on the planet. Absolutely, man. I've seen so many entrepreneurs in real estate just go down from trying to build their bank account rather than a reputation. So that's a good piece of advice, man. Um, just to kind of veer off a little, there's a guy, uh, Jay Morrison who he's down in Atlanta and he's like a super big real estate guru on Instagram. And he got called out because he started a fund and he just wasn't given any returns. And there's people still talking about it to this day. And this is years. He's never recovered from it. My business partner and I had a challenge on one of our things. We walked away from all of our profit, all of it to give it to our investors to say, Hey, we're not taking in anything because this project didn't work. Here's your money back. And, and whatever was left in the project, just come back in on the next one because you know that we're good humans. That is the building your reputation, not your bank account. We're entitled to more money and boy, would it have been nice to get it. But I know that if I give that money back to them and show that I care more about their money and them as humans than I do about my own needs, they'll all come back into the next projects and I'll be able to continue to build the most wealth in the world. And it takes a lot of character to do that. So I really commend that. Have you ever been burnt in a deal in real estate? Oh yeah. If people are doing real estate and they say they've never been burnt, they ain't doing real estate, man. Absolutely. uh, I've been burnt from tenants just destroying a property and leaving and being stuck with the bill. It's a nightmare. I've been burnt from our development project not going as smooth because we got hit with COVID and construction prices went up 600% and we couldn't have crews and we got delayed by years on the projects. I've been screwed from expecting to sell a property for X amount of price and then they go find vermiculate in the attic and then they go find the roofs leaking and then they go find all this stuff and your flip goes from making profit to making nothing and you have to actually pay for it all to fix because now it's exposed to everybody. Man, I've been burned a hundred different ways in real estate and anyone that says they haven't been is just not doing enough real estate. Absolutely. Man, I, I got burnt my second deal ever. My second flip. Bought a, a property. It was like a three-tool. Saw a little settling in the kitchen. So I'm thinking like, you know, this is probably minor. And I had a mentor at the time. We should have caught it between the two of us. But we're just thinking this is a minor problem. We can just kind of fix it, right? It ended up being a $50,000 fix. Killed the profit. It was a huge lesson learned. Like the great say, man, it's not about what you do while you're up. It's what you do when you're down. So Exactly. Talking about these losses and not that right. it's the glam life. Dude, real estate's right. not glorious. You no. just lost 50 grand. I've lost millions. So what? That's right. what's done is done. I had to right. move on. And I'm still here. I'm still doing real estate and we're still alive. It's probably going to happen 10 more times in the next two years for me. Absolutely. I've, I've been burned in, in entrepreneurship. I went to go launch this incredible event and I had a few people show up that I was expecting hundreds to. I've launched masterminds, training programs where I was expecting to make million dollar launches and I'm happy to make $100 on the launch now. Right. It's just life. It's how you come back from that to show up again and again and again. You have to change your pattern and not do the same thing over again, but learn from it and pivot. So don't go insane being an entrepreneur, doing the same thing, pivot and change and just have fun with it. Describe legacy. What does legacy look like for you? 
something that I've built that continues to give even when I'm gone. So that is why I add giving components into all my companies. If I die, my company will still go on and the organizations that I'm supporting will still be supported. Say my, my fiveplex that I own, if somebody inherits it, then they will just continue to use that money to go do good in the world. That's legacy to me is, is leaving impact longer than you are on this earth. What's next for you, Randy? What what's what do you have going on? So I created what's called a fractional CGO. So everyone hires fractional CFOs to come in and get their finances right. They right. hire COOs to come and get their operations right. You can hire me as your fractional CGO, Chief Giving Officer, to come nice. in and get your giving right. So I'm working with companies that are doing between two and twenty million right now that are too busy to actually implement a giving component to their business, but want to add more philanthropy into their lives. So I come in and just take on that whole division of their company build it out, make it happen, and then pass it back to them in a short period of time. That is kind of a new venture that I'm going down. That's not, there's not a lot of people in the world that are doing that right now. And so I'm kind of creating a new niche for, right. for givers. And then I'm launching a community of the most philanthropic entrepreneurs out there. That's a mid-ticket item, a few thousand dollars for an annual membership. But we're bringing in incredible speakers and we're teaching and training and doing all this incredible stuff and just teaching more entrepreneurs how to give back the marketing benefits of it, the growth benefits of it, the revenue benefits of it, not just trying to be a good human, but also how to use the best qualities we can as business owners to give back the most amount of money. Man, I love that, uh, that, that title CGO. That's pretty catchy. I love it. How can the people find you? If you're into real estate, thereinvestors.ca. If you're into giving back and you want to be a part of some of these communities and learn more about what's going on, you can go to www.gobigtogivebig.com. You can look up the Go Big to Give Big podcast. You can search Go Big to Give Big on any platform or just search at Randy Molland and that'll find you everything that I have going on. Thanks for joining. I loved you know having this conversation with you and, and just kind of breaking down real estate and just getting all the game. I love it, man. Thanks again, Randy. You've been a great guest. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me on, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for tapping in to another episode of the Free Game Friday podcast. The vibe was cool, you know. Had a lot of fun. Don't forget to hit that like button, drop a comment, and smash that subscribe. Do you want more? Make sure you keep the conversation going by connecting with at Worldwide Withers on IG. Put it on my IG. Holla.